0: It's Sunday morning, and I'm glad to be back. I really am. I don't hurt no more. I'm just getting over the hurting. Uh, I wrote something on the board here. <clears throat> I was talking to somebody last night about what God's will for our life is, how believers are supposed to treat and live with one another, and how they're supposed to treat the world. That's called a testament. That's called a last will and testament. When you find the word testament in the New Testament or you find the word covenant, these are the... Now, when you hear some some, uh, Bible teacher tell you that testament and covenant are not the same thing, that's right. But they don't tell you that when you find testament and covenant in the New Testament, they're the same exact word. I don't know why the translators would put covenant one place. How do you know that? I've looked it up. It'll have the same number. Testament is the word D-F-E-K, diatheke. It's what God has left us to do and how to live. Now, you might not want to hear this because it's going to be a change in your life if you listen to how you're supposed to live. It ought to change all of our lives. Dithyke means last will and testament. Now, whenever you see last will and testament anything that is equal to a last will and testament is a last will and testament you have to learn to look at words there's a word over in first peter and then I'm going to come back to Matthew 26 but over in first peter <coughs> this is why it's important to study the words i i imagine I use my concordance more than any preacher in America. I look up words constantly. That's why I know something if I tell it to you. I don't tell you something that I haven't looked up sometimes 50 times. I've looked up world in John 3.16 so many times in all kinds of books. World is the word cosmos. Heard somebody say that the other day, but they didn't know what it meant. It means orderly arrangement this is John three sixteen. it's actually kosmon k-o-s-m-o-n the word endings are changed depending on where it is in the sentence this would be in the nominative case but since world is in the in the in the Uh, actually the direct object, the accusative case, they're spelled different. But they're the same word. The accusative case would be the direct object. They're spelled different depending on where they are in the sentence. You have Nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. Sometimes you have a vocative case. That's a direct address. Say, hey you, get over here. Or judge not. <clears throat> direct direct address. Nominative case, the accusative case actually gives you a different spelling, but the same exact word. And then this cosmon is masculine gender. So what world means it means an orderly arrangement of mankind for god doesn't so love the dirt for god so loved the trees that's not what it's talking about it means the orderly arrangement of mankind and so is an adverb adverbs tell how when where and sometimes why you got (laughs) it if you can remember that that'll help you a lot now over here in first timothy another word that would be equivalent said peter oh first peter not <laughs> timothy i'll get it right in a minute i'm always doing that first peter and i'm going to come to this in a while <clears throat> verse 21 for even uh, chapter 2 for even here unto were ye called who's he talking to the church they were kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. And the ek-kaleo is the church. Short for ek-kaleo is ecclesia. that is the word church. E-K-K-L-E-S-S-I-A. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia is combining these two words together into one word. It means the called out of this world to live right. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But I want go back to... So, wait a minute. I was going to give you the word. <clears throat> Called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. When did he leave us? When he resurrected from the grave and went back to be with the Father. So, he left us after his death things we have to do and how to live. Leaving is the word hoopo lempano hupo leaving its hupo L I M L I M P A N O that word hupolempano means to be So to bequeath something is a testament, isn't it? In a last will and testament, what has been bequeathed happens after the death of the one who drew it up. After the death of the testator. Testator is the one who wrote the thing and died. So the testament of Christ begins after he dies when he's that was on the Friday, on the Friday, when they when there was there was darkness from the sixth to the ninth hour. The sixth hour of the day was twelve noon. Their days were numbered. They had watches in the night. They had four watches in the night, and they had hours in the day that at, began at six o'clock in the morning. Therefore, twelve o'clock would be the sixth hour. Three o'clock in the afternoon would be the ninth hour, three o'clock p.m., ninth hour. So, sometime during that time period, Jesus died, and his testament did not become into effect until he is dead. Now, let's go over there and look at that word. Bequeath is a word that is equal to testament. Anytime you see it. Now let's go back over here to to Matthew 26. They're eating the last Passover. They are not eating crackers and drinking grape juice. That is insane for people to even read this and say this. They've invented the so-called communion in all the churches. Jim, how do you know that? I've studied this backwards and forwards and upside down. Besides that, it'll tell you what they're eating in the chapter. This is the last day of Jesus, or the last night of Jesus' life. And the next day on Friday, he's going to be crucified. So, the Bible says in chapter 26 and verse 2, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. So in two days, from where they start this, it's going to be the Passover. Then in verse 17, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the first day of Feast of Unleavened Bread was the Feast of the Passover. Another name for Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days was the Passover. Luke 22 and 1 will tell you that, that the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was here. And the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where Will thou that we prepare for thee to eat crackers and grape juice? Is that what it says? No. Where will thou prepare for us to eat the Passover? That's what they're going to eat. Then, verse 18, he said, Go to the city to such a man and send him, Master, saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover, not crackers and grape juice, at the house of my disciples they made ready the Passover that's what they're going to eat they had four items at the Passover they had a lamb they're going to have to kill a lamb here somewhere aren't they aren't they well one of my favorite verses on killing the lamb is Luke's account of the Passover same equivalent chapter this And Luke the twenty second chapter. Twenty-seventh chapter. Verse seven. Luke twenty-two. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. Or are they killing a lamb? There was three things called the Passover. There was Nisan fourteen. That's our month, March, April, Nisan 14, and that was called the Passover day. Passover. Are they going to kill the Passover day? Huh? they going to kill that? Well, no. Then they had 14 through 21. That was a Passover week or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the. Are they gonna kill that? No, and then they had a lamb that they called the Passover. A lamb that was called the Passover. That taken time to kill the Passover. Great day in the morning. You new preachers ain't ever seen that before. To kill the Passover, you got three things called the Passover: you had the unleavened bread, the feast, the one day, or the lamb. Which one are they gonna kill? You might look up at the first verse of that Luke, the, the 22nd chapter. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. That's it, isn't it? got to kill one of them. It's the Lamb. What is the Passover Lamb now? First Corinthians. first Corinthians. 5th chapter. Was Jesus the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Yep. Was that what he was? Yeah, I think so. First Corinthians, 5th chapter. He's talking about a man here who's having an affair with his stepmother. Well, that seems kind of ungodly. He said, pull away from that man, have no fellowship with him. And Jesus calls this man, or Paul calls this man... The leaven of the Passover. The leaven. It was against God's law to have any leaven, which was a type of sin. What is leaven? Sin. Sin. It's what? Sin. Sin. It's what? Sin. Sin. Well, it is. But what is leaven in your kitchen? Yeast. Yeast. Sure does taste good, doesn't it? Like sin. But it's against God's law to have any leaven at the Passover. You couldn't have it. They'd get up the morning of the Passover, they'd take a little little lamp. Yeah, they called it a lamp, but it was actually just a bow with a taper in it. They didn't have any flashlights or, you know, any wax candles. Anytime you see candlestick in the Bible, the reason they called it candlesticks was because when they translated King James in 1611, they had those out there in the streets and in their houses. A lamp. It was a lamp. What it was. They'd get out on the floor and look for the leaven. Then they'd take it outside and burn it before the Passover started. Couldn't have any leaven. That's why they could not have had leavened grape juice at the Passover. They weren't not drinking wine, drunken wine. That was against God's law. Another great day in the morning. How do people not know that? Where do you get that? Well, Alfred Edersheim's got a book called The Temple and Ministry and Services. He'll tell you all about this. He was a Jew, converted he was born in 1825, he died in 1889, he was a Jew converted to Christianity. He's retained a lot of that for us. And the Temple Its Ministry and Services. Wonderful, wonderful book. I've got it up here somewhere. The Temple, right here. No, that's not it. On the top, the white book there? No. Go to your left or to your right. my right. Down. Go down to the bottom shelf, there's a book down there. Out of order, and it, it's right there. Oh, okay. That's excuse. Keep going, go, go keep going. Further. Keep going. Over here? Yeah, yeah keep yeah, going, keep going, keep going. Oh. There you go. The the oh. keep, there you go. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. Now, I've got a hardback at home, but I keep one up here. That's a magnificent book. He'll tell you all about this. He was a Jew, and he should know. He's absolutely knowledgeable. Great, great writer. So he says here, he says, get rid of that man out of your fellowship. Have no fellowship with him. Uh, and he says here, this guy's having an affair with his stepmother. Your glory is not good. Verse 6. Know are not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? He refers to him as the leaven of the spiritual Passover. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump even as Ye are unleavened, for our, for even Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. He's the Passover lamb now. Everything that was once was literal is figurative now. It is spiritual. So, let me race this over here. Somebody write that down for me so I don't forget it. All right. Now, you had a lamb. We figured out what that was. They had unleavened bread. Had unleavened bread for seven days. One, two. What's the unleavened bread now? 1 Corinthians is full of the spiritual Passover. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 16. Mr. Edersham will tell you that the third cup that had four cups, four cups, and the official term for the third cup of the Passover was... Third cup had an official title: Cup. I'm putting it twice. Cup of blessing. Well, let's read two verses here and see if we can cover these. The cup of blessing should be in red lights, flashing lights. That's the official term of the third cup of the Passover. The cup of blessing. When you drink of a cup, what do you do? Can you drink the cup that I drink of, Jesus said to the apostles, James and John. They said, we can. He said, you'll both drink the cup and you'll both die the martyr's death. That's what's really funny. The scholars will tell you, we don't know. Whether John was martyred after he came off of the island of Patmos. I know. I can read it right here. Jesus said, you will die, James, and you will die, John, the death of the martyr. You'll both drink the cup. They said, can we drink the cup? He said, can you drink the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? A blood baptism was a death. Drinking of a cup was a death. And drinking of the cup, by the way, is the last will and testament. But it doesn't take place till Jesus is dead the next day. Actually, it's the same day since their day started at 6 and went to 6. And here they are about 9 o'clock at night. He's telling them, drink the cup after I die. The testament will not be any good. The last will and testament will not have force until I am dead. And I'm talking about what God has left you and I to live by. Now. all right. And look at the next verse. A cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? It was against Jewish law for us to drink blood. Eat flesh and drink blood was an old ancient term that meant to partake in a slaughter. Oh, we're going to be in the slaughter. People say, well, there won't be a There'll have to be a pre-tribulation rapture to get us out here during the tribulation period. Well, the the apostles and the disciples are going to say, what are we, chopped liver? Well, it don't matter what, we have to go through trials and you don't think you have to? Church of 2019, 2020? We will have to go through it. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? What is the body and how many bodies are there? The There's one body, and the body's the church. Colossians 1 18 and 124. For his body's sake, which is the church. There's one body. So we've got these things covered here. Jesus is the Lamb. Unleavened bread is the church. Unleavened means you're supposed to be living a clean life and not having a bunch of willful sin in your life, especially presumptuous sin that David spoke of in the 19th chapter of Psalms. Presumptuous is the word zood or zed. It means proud sin. You're just proud and you just stand in the light and you sin against the light. Proud sin. Stand right in the light and say, Well, I didn't know that. And you do All right. There's one other thing at the Passover. It would take all day long to go through this. There were bitter herbs. Bitter herbs. And the Jews were told time and time and time again when you rebel against me, God said, I'll make you drink wormwood, I'll make you drink hyssop. In other words, for bitter herbs. Wormwood is something that's supposed to be good for your blood. You can go in here to the health store and buy it. And it's good for your blood. Well, Wormwood was going through trials of all kinds and afflictions. And we all know that that we have to go through that, through the narrow way. So we're in a spiritual Passover. God says in Malachi, the third chapter, I change not. In my judgments. Change. Shana. Means to mutate. Or duplicate. Now let me tell you something. When Jesus died. On the cross. He said I do not mutate. My Passover. Or put a duplicate of it. While you have the literal thing going on, these are all shadows. And uh, when you're talking about the real, a literal lamb was a shadow. Literal unleavened bread was a shadow. The very image is the spiritual. When Jesus died, the time that he died, somewhere between 12 and 3 in the afternoon, when he died, Then all of these things were blotted out. Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. These are the handwriting of ordinances written on tables of stone. Two handwritings. One written on tables of stone in Deuteronomy the ninth chapter with the finger of God. One written on the fleshy tables of our heart there in Luke the 11th chapter with the finger of God. And that is the spiritual or the spirit of the law, not the letter. The letter over here was blotted out. The literal lamb, the literal unleavened bread, all these were blotted out. And now it's all spiritual in the church. I don't know how preachers have come up with. Well, I know how they have. It's a tradition. It was a man named Cyprian, early church father. He was in the church in the... uh, in the 200s, 250, 260. And the Catholic Church wasn't, didn't really come into being until about 75 years later, 325. Cyprian kept this. They had what they called an agape love feast. I didn't mean to get into all this. I'm not sorry I did. But uh, they had an agape love feast. Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, and he absolutely did. Because he rose from the dead, they said every Sunday, every first day of the week we will meet, we will bring food for our poor people. By the way, that's what the eighth and ninth chapter of Second Corinthians is about it's about taking offerings for the poor it has nothing to do with the tithe when the bible says god loveth with the cheerful giver it's talking about paul insisting that they have food taken to jerusalem because jerusalem was under attack by the roman armies and they were starving so when they have their agape love feast they would meet every sunday and you'll find that agape love feast in the eleventh chapter of First Corinthians. Paul says, when you come together, you've got food to eat at home. Eat at home. This is for the poor, and they had have this agape love feast. Well, this kept on till the second century. I mean, the church kept meeting, and they would meet and have their little food bag with them, and they'd meet in a cave or in the catacombs. Those those tunnels beneath Rome or in some cave or under a tree. And just a fellowship together with being under the attack of the Romans. And they finally were just overthrown in 70 AD when Titus the Roman general came in and slaughtered Jerusalem. And they had their Masada attack, a mountain right down there by the uh, sides of the uh, Dead Sea. And it was a big, flat uh, Mountain top, and they took refuge there, and that was the Jews' last stand where they were slaughtered. some of them jumped off rather than being taken by the Roman or being tortured when they had this Agape love feast, they kept doing that up till around one fifty seven one fifty seven a d somewhere in that neighborhood fifty six fifty seven a d And they would have their little food bag. They kept doing that. And a man named Cyprian kept that food thing going where they'd get together. And it broke off of the agape love feast and became a liturgy. That's a ritual. Around 157 A.D. And they kept doing it in the church and put it into the Roman Catholic Church. When you think you're eating flesh and drinking blood, or when you think you are doing a ritual in tradition of Christ, this is what you're doing. You're doing some. Now, Cyprian, Cyprian was a church father. Whenever I quote one of those guys, I'm usually quoting him to get a date out of him, but I didn't necessarily believe in Cyprian everything he said because he brought this into the Catholic Church uh, in the third in the actually fourth century Church Christ to learn that. well they they still do it the Baptists still do it too they were eating the last Passover and as of the following day when Jesus is dead they're involved in a spiritual Passover you can't duplicate and have a spiritual Passover and a literal Passover all at the same time so when anybody is doing that duplicating it's wrong it's a tradition that leads men astray. There has been more people martyred over crackers and grape juice and baptism, which is blood. It's not water. Don't believe in either one of them. Now, go back over to Matthew. Jim, are you are you going to read First Corinthians ten seventeen? You you were going there to show. Oh, did I not? Did I not read that? You were going to show that the we being many are one bread and one body. Signifies. Well, I just showed it. You probably wouldn't listen. Didn't I say that? No, in the 17th verse. Oh, the You were going to show the word of the bread and it says that in the 17th verse. We... Didn't I read that? No. I didn't? Well, I'm sorry. Somebody beat me in the head. Okay. First Corinthians 10, 17. We being many, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. The bread is the body of Christ, the church. When you go on the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, that'll show you what being a part of the church is or taking part is. When Jesus said, I have a meat to eat of that you know not of, it is to do the will of my Father. In the fourth chapter of John, he was talking to his apostles who'd gone into town to get some food to eat. They said, have you eaten anything? He said, I have a meat a meat to eat of. Meat to eat. This meat is not going to be something you put in your mouth and chew. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. What is the word law? Nomos. It means legally prescribed food for animals. We're sheep. So when you do the law... You're eating what you're supposed to eat. Now, go back over to Matthew 26. We're talking about what God has left you and I to live by. All right. Now, let's look at verse 20. Now, when evening was come, and he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, what? What are they going to eat? The Passover. Good grief, you preachers out there. They're going to eat the Passover. He says there in verse 18 and verse 17, i got to eat the Passover with my apostles, and as they did eat. And verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to send him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, Now in John 13, his account says, sop he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish the sop was the bitter herbs john says dip with me in the sop they all when somebody comes up and tries to say uh well the pharisees said your apostles don't wash their hands when they eat everybody had to wash their hands when they ate everybody because their hands were their utensils, they picked up a piece of bread, dipped it over in the sop, dipped it in the bitter herbs, and put it to their mouth and the most the most uh, encouraging thing a stranger could do would dip it in the sop and put it to your mouth. That meant you were friends and so. Judas is dips in the bitter herbs. The fact that he's dipping in the bitter herbs means this is not crackers and grape juice. And the Son of Man goeth as it was written of him. He said, The one that dips in the sop will betray me. But one to to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed it had not been good for that man if he'd never been born. People say, didn't Judas repent? Well, the Bible says it's better. He'd never been born. It says that in the 14th chapter of Mark also. Then Judas, which betrayed him after him, said, Master, is it I? And Jesus said, you said it. It's you. And as they were eating the Passover, good grief, not crackers and grape juice, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my church. Said body. The word there is is not our word is. It's just not. It's the word esteem. E-S-T-I. Este. The word we think of is, is the word E-I-N-A-I. This is a form of the verb to be. Be as I am I, was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. That's the being verbs, helping verbs in the English. This word here can mean represent. Or meaneth. That's what it'll say in Strong's. It'll say, this means my body. They acted out every contract they did. This is a contract. And they acted out their contracts. This is what we're going to perform. They performed a contract. You're said to be performing contract in real estate. Won't go on to that. So we'll stay for a long time and know all about it. All right. So he says, This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks. That was called the cup of blessing. This is the one, this is, by definition, this has to be the third cup of the Passover. And he took the cup and blessed it, gave thanks, and said, saying, drink all of the cup for this blood of this cup remember a cup was a death it was an allotment it was your it was going to be your future drink all of it don't back off on any of the cup for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the mission of sin. That word testament there was an old testament over in the Old Testament. This is the new last will and testament. What does Hebrews nine say about the last will and testament? It says anytime you bring up a last will and testament, the one who wrote the testament has to die before it has any force. This is the night before Jesus died by our reckoning. Their day began at 6 o'clock in the evening, ended at 6 o'clock the next evening. This was at night somewhere around 9 o'clock probably. They were eating the Passover. So until the next, what we would call the next day, we would call it the next day. 6 to 6 was their day. So he is saying somewhere between 12, we would say the next day, it's the same day with them because their day began at 6, ended at 6, where they get that first chapter of Genesis. The evening and the morning were the first day. Their day began at 6 in the evening, not at 12 o'clock midnight. Get that out of your mind. That don't mean nothing to them. So somewhere during that same day, 12 to 6 the next day the contract of the last will and testament will not have any effect till he is dead somewhere, not 6 somewhere between 12 and 3 there was darkness from the 6th to the 9th hour, somewhere between 12 and 3 he was nailed to the cross when you want to do away with one contract, you took the contracting parties in public, I've said this a thousand times I don't know if I've said it on Sunday morning that much. They took the contracting parties out in public. They always had to have two witnesses. That's over in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 17, Numbers 35, and Deuteronomy 19. Had to have two witnesses to every contract. So they bring the two witnesses out, bring the two contracting parties out, says everybody in agreement, we're going to invalidate this contract, start a new one. That I'll say yes, and the man presiding would take a nail and drive it through there, just like we'd take a notary stamp and stamp it. And it was good in a court of law, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, it was contrary to us, took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. Colossians 2:14. All the rituals were gone. The only thing left was the spiritual. But if you believe in passing around crackers and grape juice, you're never going to get to this. You'll never. I have never heard a preacher preach on this in my life. Where would you get it from men like Alfred Edershine? And, oh, let me give you something about drinking the cup. You want to know what McLennan is good for, McLennan is strong? You just look up cup. cup let me read some of this to you what drink into a cup man it's funny to me these guys all know what it means and preachers are too lazy and too cheap to buy some of these good books and look it up but if they do they're going to have to go before their congregation tell them they've been lying to them and if they do that they're going to lose their job have to go down here to Aberdeen's and get them a job selling furniture they're going to lose that 150,000 a year, and that 30,000 a year, they get on a house payment and get their, and get their IRA and insurance paid and a car allowance of 30,000 a year. Do you know they get that? I to shoot these preachers, take them out and just line them up for lying. And guess what? That had to have been hanged or have their heads cut off in the Old Testament if they lied or stoned and let me read to you what drinking a cup means the word cup is used in both testaments in some curious metaphorical phrases such are the cup of salvation in Psalms one hundred and sixteen, thirteen, which Grotius a historian after Kimchi, explains a proculum gratium actionis a cup of wine lifted in thanksgiving to God in Matthew twenty six and twenty seven. He don't even understand that, but he explains it when he goes on down. That it alludes to a Paschal libation cannot be proved. It's it is a Paschal libation, but it's a spiritual libation. Libation is a a a offering that's poured out to God, and that it was understood by the Jews to be expressive of gratitude. We see from the Maccabees 6 and 27 Jeremiah sixteen seven. we have the cup of consolation this is something you have to go through Paul uses the expression with reference to the Jewish cup of blessing the third cup of four cups drunk by the Jews at their Paschal feast he tells you in here but it scarcely necessary to add to this jewish custom our lord uh, the jewish custom was liable to abuse the portion of the cup is a general expression for the condition of life and when jesus said you will drink the cup that i drink of he says you're both going to die the martyr's death then psalms eleven five. In 16.5, the portion of the cup is a general expression for the condition of life. But in in by far the majority of passages, the cup is a cup of astonishment, a cup of trembling, the full red flaming wine cup of God's wrath and retribution. And I love this last part. There is in fact in the prophets no more frequent or terrific image and is repeated with pathetic force in the lungs of our Lord's agony in Matthew 26, 39, and 42. John 13, 11, Mark 10, 38. God is here represented as the master of a banquet, dealing the madness and stupor of vengeance to guilty guests. The cup thus became an obvious symbol of death. Gosh, if you guys had looked that up, you'd see it. Came a symbol of death, and hence the Oriental phrase, "to taste death." It means to drink the cup. So after I'm dead, I want you to drink the cup of death. Is what he's saying. But the testament is not a good until he's dead. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Got all this information. McLuhan strong fantastic just look up cup read it you know all i do is read to find this stuff out just read constantly now go back let's go over to hebrews 9 hebrews 9 you got to remember jesus is going to die if it's nine o'clock at night we don't know exactly what time it was Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 11, 12 and add another 12 to it that's 15 there'll be 15 to 18 hours later when he's nailed to the cross when these will become invalid the literal and the spiritual will take over don't pass around crackers and grapes, just that confuses people now look in Hebrews same word testament, diatheke Last will and testament. Hebrews 9. All right. What is God's last will and testament for us? You can find it in First Peter, second chapter. It's how we act. It's being meek and gentle and kind, but you gotta know the, the Greek meaning of those words. They don't always mean what you think. They do not mean, meek does not mean to be nice. Humble does not mean to humble to men. Uh, Gentle does not mean nice. Nice is a French word, nisquire, N-I-S-C-E-R-E. That's the word nice, nisquire. It comes from the French. Here's what it means. When you say, you kids act nice, what do you mean? Act. You mean pretend you're not like this at home. When you say act, act nice. Yeah, act nice. <laughs> nice comes from nay and skier. Nay means no. Skeer is our word science or knowledge. Act like you don't know what's going on. Play dumb. When you run across nice people in public, nobody is as nice as they act. When somebody just Googling over with, hey, isn't life wonderful? and I just love Jesus all my heart. You're phony. You're not really what you appear to be. You kids behave yourself. You're not like this at home. Act nice. Pretend to be dumb. That's what you're telling your kids. Kind, I've got a track over here. The title of it explains all this. Being kind is not nice. Because I go into the word kind. Crestatos. Not a K. C-H. C-H-R-E. C-H-R-E-S. Christos, Christos comes from Christatos. That's the word kind. It means to meet, to meet a need. If you're kind to somebody, you're going to give them what they need. You're going to tell them the truth first of all, and if they need a loaf of bread, you'll buy them a loaf of bread. If they're hungry, you'll buy them something to eat. You, you can't have mercy on... When you define mercy, L-E-I-O, here's something God left you in His last will and testament. L-E-L-E-O-O. L-E-I-O means when you see someone having a hard time, you don't just, just say, Well, God bless you. I have pity for you. Pity is not mercy. Mercy is employed by something you do. Look over here in James. I'll come back to Hebrews now, but look at James real quick. James, the second chapter. Here's a part of your last will and testament. Everything that Christ left you to do is part of what you're supposed to do. Boy, I want to read all of this second chapter but i don't have time he says so speak ye in verse 12 and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty you're at liberty to do the right things you're bound in sin when you don't for he shall be he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. Then he tells you what mercy Elio actually is. That's the word Elio. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What doth it profit? My brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, do we have works not for salvation? We're saved by a working faith. Faith worketh by Love. What does that mean in Galatians the 5th chapter? Verse 6. Faith worketh by what? By agape, right? Faith works. Don't say faith don't work. It is God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're created to good works. Not Self-righteous works. Agathos works. Agathos means beneficial works of God. We're created in Christ Jesus unto beneficial works which God hath before ordained. Proetoi mazo. P-R-O. Pro E-T-O-I-M-A-Z-O. Proetoi mazo comes from pro... Which means before, hetoimas. Hetoimas means prepared beforehand. H E T O I M A S. Before prepared for these good works. Do we work? Yes. If you don't do the works of God, you're just working for yourself just so you can get ahead and have money and have things and stuff. The older I get and the more money I can get a hold of, the more I want to spread it around to the needy believers. And if you don't want to do that, you're a cheapskate. Was I a cheapskate when I was young? Yeah. You say, well, I don't know this money. This is my money. I can do what I want with it. You can't have it. I made it. The older I get, the more I realize I'm going to die and that money's going to be gone. I was in the doctor's office reading forbes magazine that's the only place I can read it that's a rich man's magazine and they had a list of the twenty richest billionaires in the world, and the poorest was fifty five billion is what he had and Bill Gates was second he had fifty he had a ninety six billion. What do you do with ninety six billion dollars if you can't share it with somebody? What do you do with $1,000 a week if you can't share that? I believe in tithing. I believe you give to the man that teacheth in all good things. That's what the Bible says in the sixth chapter of Galatians. Besides that, it's talking about the tithe in, in Corinthians. So he says, What does God profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? You have a dead faith. If you don't do nothing, I got saved and I walked down the aisle, you did not. I deny it without the works of God in you, without a change in you. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, depart in peace and be ye warmed and filled, and that's enough. We give away money here. People don't have any idea, and I'm accused of stealing from the poor. Whoever you are, out there you're a jerk. I go to people's rescue all the time. I don't mean that in a boast. I'm saying you should do that too. <clears throat> if one of you said to him, "Depart in peace, be warmed and filled," notwithstanding you give them. Not those things which are needful to the body, what do you profit them? God bless you, brother. Don't say anything to me if you're going to say, God bless you, I got nothing for you. And I'm not saying everybody that's got their hand out, because I got a lot of people that have their hand out looking for a free ride. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Even Martin Luther didn't understand the book of James. Martin Luther said it was, a, it was an epistle of straw and it needed to be struck out of the Bible. I believe Martin Luther's belief on predestination. But I'm sure he said that when he first came out of the Catholic Church. But after he was out for a long time, he probably didn't believe that. I used to believe a lot of things when I was 26 and 27 that I don't believe now. Don't ask me what they were. There were some more dumb. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you how my faith works. Faith worketh by agape, by love. Agape is walking in the commandments of God. Second John 6, this is agape that we walk after his commandments. How many times have I said that? And his commandments are not just the ten commandments. It's every time you have an imperative mood in the Greek. An imperative is a command. I got a list of all the imperative moods, including the ones that the that the uh, Pharisees had. When the Pharisees gave you an imperative com- a mood, you don't have to do that. When Jesus gives you an imperative mood, he's the same God that said, let there be light and you will eventually do these things. You can't just come up and say, I'll be what I want to be when I want to be that. God says, you'll be what I want you to be. You can't just, when the Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of God, it doesn't say humble yourself under the hand of men. You cannot be humble to God and man at the same time. You understand that? Humble. Humble. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. Now who said that? Humble. Tepanwa. The scripture says that several times. Peter said it, "Humble yourself under the hand of God. If you're humbled, what are you humbled to? Tepanwa means to level self level self it actually means to level mountains and hills and there's two mountains in the Bible there's Babylon and there is Zion a mountain was a capital city of an empire you can get that out of McClinic and Strong just look up Mount, M-O-U-N-T. Tell you, mountain was a capital city if you'll say to this mountain be thou removed be thou cast into the sea why would, Jesus, why would Jesus say that to Peter and John? They had a Babylonian mountain attitude. They were arguing with Jesus. And you to say this mountain of Babylon be removed and cast into the sea. every time Babylon goes down, it goes down into the sea. Don't have time to go to all that. Tepanua means to level the mountain of self. If you level the mountain of self, you're going to bow to God's will, not man's will. If you walk around and people call you, Jim Brown, you always going around preaching to everybody. Well, I certainly do. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? had a preacher tell me one time, here in town, said, nobody likes you in town. You go around preaching to everybody? I said, well, I certainly do. Isn't that your job? You're a pastor. Aren't you supposed to preach to everybody? Yeah, I do. Everywhere I go, but I don't beat people up. I try to talk to them, but if they don't want to hear it, I leave them alone. You go around and preach to everybody. What a dumb thing for a preacher to say. D-U-M-B, dumb. Now, faith without works is dead. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Showing your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my, what I do. When people say, you don't celebrate Christmas, don't you take a day off for Jesus? I don't have time to take a day off for Jesus. I'm preaching to people every day for Jesus. Everywhere I go, doctors, lawyers, nurses. I don't go into a doctor, I don't talk to them about the Lord. These doctors... (laughs) I've given so many DVDs away. I, with me and Mary went out to eat yesterday. And at the end of the, our meal, I said, let me give you this DVD. She said, you gave me one. I said, I didn't give you this one. I got 3,800 of them. I said, here, take this one. This will tell you something else. And I sat there and talk to them about death to self, David Cross, or the Christ Mass or predestination, you're going to have to make people angry you don't have to beat them up just say i preach predestination i'd say things that make people mad and the waitress say like what well like did you know that it was against the law to celebrate christmas 300 years ago in america i say i I hadn't heard that before Almost, it really was so i tell them the story about the puritans being killed in Europe by the millions and then came over here and called themselves Puritans and go through the history of it. If they want to hear it and if they don't want to hear it, I shut my mouth. If their eyes go. <laughs> if their eyes cross, I won't have had enough. But I, if you're going, you're going to be persecuted, that is a part of your last will and testament. Speak the truth. Do the works of God, which John said is belief. But if you believe, believe is a verb, and it's an action verb, and it's what you do. But wilt thou know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? Works of Christ. Do not mistake this. There's three types of works, three types. There is ritual. Well, you go to church and you say, I did my duty to God. I sat down and listened to that boring preacher one more time on Sunday morning. That's ritual. There's a good works where you think you're going to do good and somebody says, I'm going to join the Sertoma Club and I'm going to join the Masons and do good works and these good works will get me into heaven. And there's God's works in you to willing to do it. His good pleasure, that's the works of God. Good works. It's God working in you to willing to do. If God is not working in you, you've got a long way to go. Because if you are a believer, he's got to get your attention. He didn't have my attention at 40. I had, you know what had my attention at 40? Real estate. I wanted to get rich. I was a wizard there. Went out there. I was the top salesman the first year out of the shoot, out of 30 salespeople. Way ahead of everybody else. And I was good at it until God gave me some bronchial asthma I couldn't live with. He said, you're not going to do that. You're going to tell the truth to people. Until he stuck me in the hospital and nearly killed me. And you know what? That's what he'll do to you. He might break your neck, but you're going to have to become. He may come into your life and do the most devastating thing to you until you get your heart don't get right all of a sudden. Sometimes he brings you to a place in your life. I had IVs in both my arms. I said, oh, God, you're going to kill me if I don't stop doing this. And I quit when I come out of the hospital. I said, Lord, I'm going to tell the truth. And Mary would say, How are we going to make a living? For the following 10 years, I was so sick from the time I was 40 to 55, I couldn't hardly do nothing. And Mary would say, what are you, How are we going to make a living? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to teach everybody I can. And there were two or three of us meeting over at the house, and that was it. Four. Back to three. Up to five, down to four. This went on five, six, seven years. and I'd say, I'm going to do this. Somehow, God's opened this up. We're on TV in about 400 towns and cities. We're on the internet, 24 hours a day. We got we got offerings coming from all over the world. And what we're trying to do is get the truth out there. And I'm not getting rich. Now, he says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou believest well. The devils also believe and tremble. That word devil is demonion. Those people that distribute fortunes believe and tremble, but will thou know vain man that faith without works is dead. If God doesn't do something in you to cause you to humble yourself to him and read his word and become cutting the mountain of self down, if all you're thinking about is just you, Has anybody had you on the mind lately? Boy, let me stick my hand way up. That's the way I used to be. I don't want new cars or new anything anymore. I don't care about material things. People say, but you've got a lot. God gave it to me to shed it and to spread it out. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he that offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, by works, it was faith made perfect. God said, Abraham, you go up there on Mount Moriah, offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham went up there, and he told the men that were standing with the animals, my son and I shall return. And they went up to Mount Moriah, and Isaac said, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will supply a sacrifice. And Abraham raised his hand with that dagger. He's going to plunge it in Isaac, and he didn't hesitate one second. He had full intentions of plunging into Isaac, because the 11th chapter of Hebrews says, says that he had raised him from the dead once. He knew God had to do it again. So Abraham did not hesitate. He had full intentions of killing Isaac. And God said, stop. I prepared a sacrifice over here. And this shrub's over here. Get him. That's a ram. Put him up there for sacrifice. When you go and do what you're supposed to do, humble yourself under the hand of God, Be gentle and kind and tender-hearted to people. God will supply the need. You've got to stop this worrying. Does anybody worry? I know there's so many young people who you have to be worrying. (laughs) Are you going to lie to me, an old man that knows what you're thinking anyway? You can't fool me, much less God. I know a lot of you are concerned about life and what are we going to do. Twenty years ago, 30 years, 40 years ago, I couldn't imagine being up here teaching the Greek and the Hebrew. I can't ever do that. But I can, and I am. Your life is not going to be the same in 10 years. Nobody here is going to be the same. How do you know? Because that's the way it happens. You're going to be doing When you commit your heart to God, and He only can cause you to do that, when He brings you through enough trial, and you learn to be gentle and kind and tenderhearted and poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was a term of Israel, but you have to be poor in spirit. P-T-O-C-H-O-S. The kingdom of God or Israel become your home when you're poor in spirit. Well, you know what it takes to be poor, poured out, poured out, empty of self. If you're empty of self, what has to happen? That outer man has to die. You got an outer man, an inner man. The outer man serves the law of the flesh. How long does it take for self to die? 15, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. Thank you, Ken. The rest of your life. You're going to be dying from now on. But you'll be dying more next year than you are this year. And the year after that, you'll be dying more then. It's going to come to a place where you throw your hands in there. And you say, Lord, I surrender. I I'm just going to tell everybody about you. They get mad at me and take everything I've got away. I've been told, you know you can be sued for some of these things you're saying? guy called me from Chicago and said, do you know that you can be killed for some of the stuff you're saying? I said, I understand. Thank you. When you start talking about Christmas, first time I ever was on radio on WNQM 1989, I preached on Elijah and the KKK. And I thought that morning, somebody's going to burn a cross in my yard. Because the priests of Bell wore tall white pointed hats and white sheets. That's where the KKK got it from. And they worshipped a flaming cross on Lady Day in the ancient world. Let me see. White sheets, uh, pointed bonnets, and uh, and a flaming cross. Sounds like the Klan, doesn't it? They didn't invent that. Let's get on down here with this. Verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, by works with faith made perfect. This is not talking about good works. This is not talking about ritual. This is talking about God working in you. And this won't be something you do, but it'll be something God makes you want to do over time. And more than you want to do now being young, to me, everybody that's under 60 is young. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the, way, that's the way you get when you get old. Sometimes I'm riding down the road, I'll tell I saw this old man outside the road. and She said, well, how old was he? I said, probably about 65. That's 15 years younger than me. But... <laughs> You get to where you look at things and people different. I I told you to change that to mature. Okay, mature. (laughs) All right. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You want to be God's friend? Do what he says. Humble under his hand. You see how then that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only, but justified doesn't mean saved. Justified is the word D-K-I-O, D-I-K-A-I-O-O. You're rendered innocent. Everybody's going to say, there's an innocent man when you're living for others and not yourself. Death to self is the story of all of this. Likewise also was not Rahab the heart of justified or rendered innocent when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without change in your life is dead being alone. You gotta change. Well I changed when I got saved. No you didn't. Changes over a long period of time under a barrage of fire and trials. That's what changes you. You get tired of fighting God. Well, I just know I don't like this guy, and I'm going to put him down. I'm going to get him. Well, if you going into gossiping, if you're into lying about people, getting on the internet, talking about people, you're wasting your time. Spend your time reading the Bible and going out and telling the Bible about Jesus. Now let's go back to Hebrews. We're talking about what our last will and testament is. This is going to take me several weeks to go through this. Because I want to go through all the character of Christ. I want to go through the Matthew, the 5th chapter. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. You'll inherit the earth. What does the kingdom of God and the earth have to do with Matthew 5? Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek. They inherit the earth. Meek. Earth. When you... I dare you. <laughs> Go into McClintick and Strong, and look up heaven and earth. Just look up heaven, and at the end of that, it'll have heaven and earth, and it'll tell you what it means. When some guy says, "I'll move heaven and earth to get to that woman," that has a meaning. You can get it out of McClintick and Strong. Heavens was the ruling class. Heavens was ruling class. Uranus. Oh, you are. A N O U S. We have the planet Uranus from that. Uranus, heavens, was the ruling class. You're not spelling nothing right. You are A N O U S. Heaven. Heaven, H E A V N. H E A V N. I'm in a hurry. Uranus. Ruling class. Earth was the ruled. What do you mean we'll be the ruling class? When you are poor in spirit, that's when you're emptied out of self and you're willing to say anything to anybody, anywhere, anytime. I'm willing to do that as of my big hospital stay in my mid-40s. I said, Lord, if I don't stop trying to be rich and trying to be important and famous, I'm worth nothing. And I started preaching to everybody in this hospital up here. If anybody's on the third floor when I was there, they knew about it. I drug my IVs both one in each arm, drug it around the hospital. And I said, Lord, from now on it's you, all of you and none of me. But I had to grow from that point. And I had to learn if you really want to be the heavens how was israel the heavens when you read the 28th chapter of deuteronomy moses says if you obey my statutes and my commandments and everything i tell you i'll fill up your fields i'll fill up your basket i'll fill up your store here's how they were the heavens you'll go against your enemy one way and they will flee seven ways and it don't matter how many there are. When Asa in the fourteenth chapter of First Chronicles, when he went up against the Ethiopians, he had five hundred thousand men. That sounds like a big army. He went against a million Ethiopians, and they had three hundred chariots of iron. Whoa! You know what a chariot of iron is? They had those wheels on them. They had the scythes like swords. And nobody could stand against those. You saw them in a lot of those old Ten Commandments movies. Those sites would just rip people down. You couldn't stop them. And with a half a million men, Asa went out against them. The the Ethiopians didn't have a chance. Because God... Asa prayed, prayed the greatest prayer I've ever heard. He said, Lord... It matters not to you with many or with few. Lord, let not men prevail against thee. He didn't say me. Let not men prevail against you. And they went out there and whipped him. It's just like when Ahab was king of Israel and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, sent a message down to Ahab. said, I won't An unconditional surrender and I want the right eye out of all of these men you have here in northern Israel right eye what does he want the right eye for because that's what they used to fire their bows with so it would stop them in their tracks and Ahab gets angry at at Ben-Hadad and God says you tell You tell Ben-Hadad's emissary that uh, you go out there and tell him you're going to be at war with him. And Ahab goes out and said, but who's going to fight him? He said, you are. This prophet tells Ahab, Ahab was a bad king of Israel. God is saying, I'm going to get rid of Ahab in my time. Not some pagan king is going to tell me when he's going to come down. So he tells Ahab, go out there and tell the king. You're at war. So he goes into the mountains against Ben-Hadad. And he whips him in the mountains. And Ben-Hadad says, well, your God is the God of the mountains. He's not the God of the plains. Fight me on the plains. And Ben-Hadad says, you want me to give that order? He said, yes. And they went out on the plains. And the plains, the Bible says that when they went out on the plains, there were only 7,000 fighting men in Israel. They had hundreds of thousands of Syrians. When they went out against them on the plains, the Bible says these the Syrians covered the plains. They covered the plains. And the Bible says that That the children of Israel were like two little flocks of kids, of goats. Just like two little flocks of goats out there facing one of the great armies of the day. And Israel whipped them hip and thigh. That means they destroyed them. God eventually got rid of Ahab, but you're not going to tell me when I'm going to take an evil king off my throne. That's when you become heaven and earth. That's when you start ruling other people. When you're humble to God. there's. I know that you think, gosh, if I talk to these people, they're going to get mad at me. They're not going to like it when I say God doesn't love everybody. I say that real gentle to waitresses all the time. Did you know that God doesn't love everybody? Have you ever heard that? I just talked to them like I'm talking to you right now. No, I didn't know that. I thought it loved everybody. Well, the Bible says over there in Romans 9 that he loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. I just tell them to him like that. I let them wrestle with it. And if you are poured out to God, let's get back over here to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. We've been talking about what is your last will and testament. It is to drink the cup, isn't it? Yep. Drinking the cup. Look here in Hebrews 9. How much time do I have? 14. Oh, man, I ain't going to get through all this. All right. Look here in Hebrews 9. Verse... 15, he says, Well, he says in 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offering himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Dead works is you serving God in the flesh, you serving self in the flesh. I'm not saying don't make a living, I'm not saying don't work as hard as you can. But take some time for God. Work a good 40-hour week. But don't go out there and work 60 or 70 hours. I used to work 90 hours in real estate. Till I broke my health. It'll break you if you keep doing it. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new last will and testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions, he has to die before this testament comes into effect. That, were under the first testament in the Old Testament, they which might, they which are called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. What are you going to inherit? Inheritance is the word kleronomia or kleronomos, heir clero clero means a portion and nomos is the word law it means a lawful portion you have a lawful portion you're going to inherit your lawful portion will be according to God's law he when he says do something he means do it he means humble when he says strive he means agonize I agonize entering in, agonize over sin. You agonize over that outer man that wants to do nothing but flesh. I serve the law of the outer man with the flesh. I serve the law of God according to the inner man with the spirit. There's two parts of you. There's the inner man and the outer man. This guy, when you're young, wants to take over. And what makes him back off is year after year after year of fire and trials and persecution till you throw your hands up in the air and say, "Lord, I want to do this my way, but I can't. It doesn't work. Nobody has been more driven than me in this congregation. I was driven I was driven in real estate, I was driven in the music business. I was going to succeed if it killed me, it just nearly did. <laughs> and was I hard head oh yeah I was going to do it or die and it just about took me under let me tell you you may be young but you're not as experienced as I am I'm experienced enough to know I have to bow to God constantly I'm not going to fight the world and fight my flesh I'm sick of it I'm really tired and I want to go home when you get old and wore out, my body is not going to last much longer. It's—I've had two heart attacks, I've had a cancer, I've had cataract surgeries, I've had everything you think of. I don't want to keep this body. I want to get me a new one. And I am wore out in life. I'm going to keep preaching all I can. May not be every service, but I've learned some things. God is first. My friends are second. And like the football players, I am third. Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers said that. Oh, man. Now, let's read on here. Look at verse 16. For where a testament is, this cup is the last will and testament, there must be of necessity first the death of the testator, the mesites, that was Christ. He's the testator. He's the one that came up with the last one Testament. He has to be dead before you drink the cup. He's not talking about drinking grape juice that night. They are keeping the literal Passover. But he said, this represents my body, the church. That's what the bread represented. And the cup represented death to self. That was the last will and testament. Is anybody having a hard time wrestling with self? Boy, it's hard, isn't it? It is difficult wrestling with self. I'll tell you what to teach you. About 40 more years of fire will help you a lot. If we can just bow our heads and pray, Lord, help everybody here to become 65 and 70 real quick. It don't happen fast. You can say, well, you sound like you think you know everything. I don't know much. I just know I have to bow to God's will. So it has to be a death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Christ has to die in order for us to drink the cup. There was a time period somewhere between 12 and 3 the next day, then the testament takes forth. He's not talking about drinking grape juice that night. They're going to keep the Passover. He's saying we're going to nail all these rituals to the cross tomorrow. Now go over here with me to First Peter. First Peter. You want to know what your last will and testament is? It'll tell you right here. I'm going to get into the character of Christ in this. Meek, humble, gentle, poor in spirit. I used to think the Beatitudes in the Bible were for special Christians. It's not true. It's for every Christian believer. You may die young before you get through all this, but it's doesn't mean this isn't for all believers you have to be poor, have to be a peacemaker what does that mean going to a bar and break up a fight no it means you all, you you wear a coat 45 on your hip and you're a peacemaker no the bible says psalms 119 165 great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You won't be offended when you give the word of God out and the law out. You won't be offended when people get mad at you and they talk about you and they say lies about you and they tell all kinds of stories and they cuss you. That's not the life of the believer. You're not to be involved in envy and jealousy and all of this anger and this rage, this orgy. That's not a part of our life. Can y'all see that? Look here, what he says. It says here in First Peter. Let's read twenty and twenty-one. For what glory is it if, when we were buffeted for your faults, you should take it patiently? If you're at fault, you're supposed to be thankful for doing right, not for doing bad. But if, when you do well, and suffer for it, take it. You take it patiently. Be patient. You don't say I'm going to get you back. This is not about revenge. This is acceptable with God, for even hitherto were you called church, because Christ also suffered for us, and He is our example. We have to suffer for His word, and leaving us an example, leaving us a hupo limpano, a bequeathing testament. He's bequeathing to us, hupo lampano. Like I said earlier, this is a synonym for last will and testament, diatheke. This is our last will and testament. Here's a list. You want to know what the list is? Who did no sin. You have to part of you that does no sin. What is that? That's the inner man. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's the inner man can't sin. And he says the outer man can't quit sinning. But over years of fire and trials you ain't not think right now well, I'm as dedicated as I can be. No you're not. When you get to be 80 you'll say I'm not as dedicated as I can be. I need another 10 years of fire. When you think you've arrived, you haven't. When you think you know something, you know nothing as you ought to know. God has to humble us to Him and make us realize we are nothing. Did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Oh, there's a part of your last will and testament. Dull us. To live... And think by trickery. Has anybody ever tried to manipulate somebody with words? I have. Have you ever tried to scoot up close to somebody and get close to them in their life so you can get a piece of their action? If you don't do that in the music business and you don't do that in real estate, you won't get anywhere with anybody. I used to do that. If I can just get close to them, some of their success will rub off on me. If I get close to a star, but I always wanted to open my mouth and say things that they didn't want to hear. I was about to sign a contract with RCA Victor one time, and the guy talking to us looked at me and he said, Mr. Brown, being the leader of this group, you're going to have to change your attitude. I said, come on, guys, let's go. They don't want to be told what to do. And I used to blame them for that. But the guys on Lose Your Grow are going to sign people that cooperate with them. All they're looking for is pawns. They don't need a king on the chessboard, they just need pawns that can move around. But that's true of anybody you work for. So there's no guile, no trickery, you know, trying to manipulate people. That's what guile is. No guile was found in his mouth who when he was reviled, he didn't revile again. That word reviled is a word, is a word, Lloyd, L-O-I-D-O-R-E-O, 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 O-R-E-L. Reviled means to say bad things about somebody or to somebody. You don't return evil for evil. If somebody's out to get you, Jim Brown, and I've learned this, I don't go back against anybody. Hey, did you notice everywhere Paul went, he never went back and tried to get revenge on people who uh, were trying to kill him. Never did. When David was being chased by Saul, And Saul was trying to kill him. He had two opportunities to kill him. David said, I will not touch him. Don't anybody touch the Lord's anointed. He told his nephew. He said, no, you can't. Adonijah, you can't touch him. Adonijah said, Uncle David, I'll kill him. He said, no. He's the anointed of the Lord. Even though he was trying to kill him, David never had one bad thing to say about Saul. Saul... And the apostle Paul never said anything bad about anybody that was trying to kill him. He said I was pressed out of measure by these men. I despaired of life. Didn't seem like there's any way out, but God delivered me. You don't have to deliver yourself Look from your happened to all of them. Huh? Well David's enemies died. Look at Shemai. Yeah, Shemai died. Absalom died. I mean, Absalom, Adonijah died. Joab died. God killed these enemies. If I have many enemies that want to destroy me in this ministry, you guys have a hopeless cause. It's like it's like the great teacher said there in the fifth chapter of Acts. Gabaliel, he told the Pharisees, "If this is of God." You can't stop it. And if it's not of God, it won't continue. That's the answer to it. Well, I've run out of time. I've just barely got started in this. I want to go into all these characters of Christ on Sunday morning. I'm talking about what we need to become and where God is taking you in life. It's, I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm here instructing you on about what God is doing in your life. It's not something that I'm telling you to do. It'll be God working in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. We have a testament. You've left us this this example. God, I, I pray that you'll let me be more committed to you than I have ever been. Let me bow to your will in everything I do. and teach, teach the church to follow my example. Lord, let me not fall off the track anymore so the church can follow me as I lead them into this spiritual battle. Thank you for truth. Fight these battles for us in Christ's name. We pray, amen. Some of each of those, Ben. I mean, really, take some of each of them. Well, they're they're super lessons in them. I'm when, looking for the one with kind or meek. Meek. Uh. Big guy. Yeah, that'd be it. That's a really good. Yeah, that's what you're mentioning. That's a good. Just get a few of those. Yeah, get a few up. There's one in here called. It's one of my favorites. It's got death on the. Right here. That. Is I, when I wrote this, I held it in my notebook for a couple of weeks because it sounded like I was preaching Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. I was afraid to put. Print, I printed these in the newspaper, yeah. and this is like a sledgehammer for Hendersonville. Thank you, Jim. That was good. How you doing? Doing great. A little sleepy though. No, I don't. Are why. you? I am. I'm sleepy. <laughs> So I got home taking no. love you, Jim. I love you too. That was a good word. Good word. Well, we have this. We have this testimony. This example, and we're going to change slowly. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Well, I love the. I love the testimony. Where y'all going? Huh? Where you going? I love you guys. Y'all want some gum? Y'all want gum. Well, come on up here. Hey, Goriel. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. How you doing? Hey, I'm all right. How are you? Hey, what are you doing, Mom? You look handsome today. <laughs> well, I, I, feel feel better I, was thinking. I feel better than I have been feeling. Yeah, you how you doing? How are you? Good. Hey, Jake. What you doing there? Oh, how's it going? Hanging on. You doing all right. Yeah, this is the best I've felt last two days. Well, that's good. And since I had an heart attack, it's the best I've felt. Maybe you'll feel better now that the weather's getting warmer. Right. Yeah. No, I'm gonna feel worse because all the pollen's out. You know. I didn't mean to offend y'all this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about everybody under 60. He that loves the law of the Lord shall not be offended. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What you doing? Where are you going, little guy? (laughs) Did I make you mad this morning? Everybody under 60? (laughs) 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 What are you doing there, nurse? you feeling okay I'm doing amazingly better yesterday was the first day I was out that my back didn't hurt boy have you had people in the hospital that had that sciatic nerve just ripping them from back all down I was I was in constant pain excruciating pain for two weeks 24 hours a day and it is terrible I mean I finally got some painkillers got some tramadol and that had, Well, it stopped the pain to some degree. They had to go in one day, and they gave me a shot of uh, steroid yeah. to stop it. Yeah. But it only stopped for a day and a half. Uh, and it came back. That's the worst pain I've ever constantly felt over a long period. I'm not familiar with it myself, but I've heard it's pretty bad. Oh, it yeah. is terrible. Yeah. But he said, that's wear and tear. Yeah. That just happens to old man, old woman. So pray that you don't get old. How what if you Sunday? get old? That I means you'll die up. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I will. not as yellow. Like that those? might be easier. Yeah. Yeah, true. I he's going to have to go through all this trouble. That's right. He's not as yellow. What are you doing there, Stephen? Hey, good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hey, Nathan? What's going on? Well, same thing. Same good thing. To see his good ass. <laughs> I feel the yesterday was the first day I felt decent since this thing started, March the second. I was under pain. I was in excruciating pain for two weeks with that sciatic nerve, twenty-four hours a day. It was killing me. I had to go to the doctor and get steroid shots, and they put me on some pain medicine, but. I have never had any pain like that. I've had heart attacks, I've had all kinds of pain in my life and that was that was excruciating. Around the clock for two weeks. Terrible. I just want to give you a big old hug. How you doing? Say thank you so much. Well, me and Mary was talking about that yesterday. Yeah, you just gotta let it go. Yeah, you can't get mad at him. He is what God made him. Yeah, exactly. And, and you was, can't get mad at your wife, was, your daughter. It's like I heard the word Muslim, and I was just like, ah, you know. And I just that don't mean he's a terrorist. It means he's the same thing as a Baptist. He just don't believe the and truth. when you said that, I thought, yeah, just like Catholics and everything. It's just like I don't know. It's like Mary said, just take a step back. God's not. declared the end from the beginning from ancient times everything is not yet right, done. Right. You say this is the will of God. Right. I believe it's, there's a con involved in it. Yeah. I believe he's a confidence man to some degree. He's either wanting citizenship over here or something. I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm trying to just, like you all said, Just if God's taking care of it anyway. It's I? in God's hands. Yeah. You can't make yeah. her do anything and make yeah. him. If they see your example, that's the main thing. Right, and that's what I have to try to do, and that's, that's hard because I'm very opinionated. Well, and as I soon as it starts, just say, Lord, help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we watch you all the time on TV, on, on uh, live stream, but we need to get over more, you know. It's, it's a quite a drive, but you're worth it. <laughs> I, I appreciate love you, I, I love you guys. I love you guys We'll talk y'all. To you later, Hey Jess. Hey, how, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hanging on. Is that your little brother? Is that your little brother? Is that your brother? Is that your little brother? You love him? He don't he ain't listening. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Oh we're doing pretty good. You little booger. (laughs) His eyes are going to stay blue.